0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norris Get ready for some awesome. Welcome back to the show, friends. Today we have one of our live podcasts from down in Houston, Texas at the Praxis Conference. Now, originally this was supposed to be a just a mega three-part podcast with Jonathan Martin, Ian Cron. We're just going to package all the ones we did down in Houston at the Praxis Conference together, but... Science, Mike and I, we kind of made a little detour and I could not bring the good Reverend Ian Morgan Cron down to the muck and mire what Mike and I talked about. So we're going to just, we're going to do it all by itself. And that's really great. And you know what else is great? Our sponsor for this month. It is none other than the Abilene Christian University Graduate School of Theology. Now, ACU's graduate school of theology's mission is to equip men and women for effective missional leadership in all its forms and to provide strong academic foundations for theological inquiry now they're not there to give you all the answers or tell you what to do what they are there to do is to teach you how to ask good questions how to be curious and virtuous in your pursuit of knowledge. And they're there to show you the skills of ministry and scholarship and offer you models of success and mentors to help you in your journey. Now, the ACU Graduate School of Theology has a wide list of alumni who are great models of success for you. Most prominently, of course, is, well, me, And there are plenty of others out there as well. You can go to acu.edu for more information about ACU's Graduate School of Theology, which I personally recommend since, you know, it is my alma mater. So go to the uh, Facebook page that we have, Newsworthy with Norseworthy on Facebook. We will have a link over there on the Graduate School of Theology where you can click and check them out. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, you should go ahead and do that. So check them out, acu.edu, or go to our Facebook page, Newsworthy with Norseworthy on the old FB, for more information. Now, let me give you a warning. Mike and I... Um we kind of go off script a little bit and so mom if you're listening you can go ahead and turn this one off um don't you don't need to hear this um now that she's gone let me tell you what happened uh so mike uh has become friends with some uh performers in the adult entertainment industry and so we end up talking a little bit about the old porn now uh was not expecting that and uh I think it was a good conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it, but it definitely deserved to be on its own. And let me just say this. If there are any people who happen to be Mike's friends in the adult entertainment industry, I'm glad you listened to this podcast. And I want you to know that Mike's message to you, that you are loved and you are accepted is a message that I hope you hear on this podcast as well. And mom, if you're listening to this, I hope you do not hear the rest of this because you know, we're talking about porn. So, Without further ado, Mike and I talking about some porn. Here we go. All right, friends. Today we have returning to the show our friend Science Mike.
1: What's up, people?
0: Do you, Do you like being on the other side of the uh, the microphone where you're just you're just hanging out? You don't have to it's keep this going. Is it really? Oh
1: yeah, i I'd, I'd rather be on somebody else's show. Every day of the week than my own show.
0: Really? Yeah. Do you just not like your show?
1: I like my show. I um, am an extrovert. So. You're an extrovert? Super extrovert.
0: I like, I know that you're a social butterfly, but you like, sciencey seems kind of introverty. That's yeah, very judgmental amazing. i a
1: science minded writer, which that's is typically right. a introverted personality, but no, I have to be around people. So, two things. One, I get to like play off your reactions. Two, mm-hmm. I don't have to lead the episode anywhere. That's your job. It's relaxing. So isn't it's it? just like, yeah, so we just come talk. And it, I feel like I'm more authentically myself as a guest on someone else's show than certainly Ask Science Mike. But even the Liturgist podcast. Um, there's, there's a lot of moments where Michael and I are just sort of free, but we're still thinking, both of us are busy thinking this episode's got to land somewhere. <laughs> we got
0: to keep this thing going. Right. I like how you said as science, Mike, is that like your character? Your ask awesome? science, Mike. Oh, I thought you That's, said, no. I, I know the name of your, I thought you're saying as science, Mike, is <laughs> so, like you get a shirt on and a cape and all that. <laughs> no, I just
1: like, um, I do. You guys don't know because you're listening to the podcast. I gave a talk a few minutes ago. Yes. And I have like a uh, weak brain for like two hours after I give a talk.
0: Oh, that's perfect. So this I start mumbling be, and I don't speak This is going to be really good. Now, I'm I'm a preacher. That's my real job. Yeah. And like Sunday afternoons, I'm worthless. Like I, I do my thing and I'm done. So I completely get that. So... With that being said, I'm going to force you to do a podcast right now. I love it. So you've got uh, two podcasts you're doing. Yes, that uh, the liturgist podcast, and then the more recent one, which has been out for a while now, seventeen weeks, eighteen weeks. Okay, ask science Mike. Yeah, which is which is great. So one of the podcasts <laughs> wasn't even my idea. It was it, it was your show. That's what you say, right, guys? This exactly. is your show. It's their show, and. Uh, we find ourselves somehow on like some occasional people send hey these are the podcasts I listen to and and I'm honored to be connected to yours of course it's it's an it's an honor for me.
1: I have the, like the lowest rent thrown together show on the whole internet. No, it's ridiculous.
0: When I started, it was literally like a thirty nine dollar USB headset. That's what I started with, and it slowly worked <laughs> it my way That's up. That's awesome. But you, as you were saying off mic, that you used to own a recording studio, so yeah. you you actually know how to use these shore microphones and interfaces and all that. I didn't know any of that.
1: The harder thing is knowing how to speak into a mic than the technical stuff. In my opinion, really the biggest thing that makes a show sound good is knowing how to make love to the microphone.
0: You know, see me and my microphones are not that close and that is my microphone you're using right now. So just keep, appropriate space (laughs) i I really think as a preacher like i i talk for a living and that's a skill that you have to work on and i oh yeah i mean i've been preaching every sunday for 15 years and it's
1: an experienced voice in a 39 dollar (laughs) headset is going to come across to the ear better than someone who doesn't know what they're doing firing plosives into a big studio mic
0: yeah yeah that's true. Okay. Your podcast. Yeah. As Science Mike. You, you have both of them. They're both your podcast. That one.
1: Well, like the Liturgist podcast is Michael Gunger and I. It's yeah. definitely a shared experience, which is why it's my favorite of the two. Because it's
0: a teamwork. It's an excuse it to makes the hang dream out and talk to Michael. <laughs> when you, when you, we had you on the podcast a while ago and you said, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. I was like, oh, I'm happy for you. And you said, Michael Gunger. And I was like. You have a, like a real talented musician who's helping you. <laughs> you jerk. This isn't fair. I'm some idiot with my $39 microphone. And so I was just very jealous. But you've got this one, Ask Science Mike. Yeah. So like I'd listen to one and you're answering the question, can God make a rock? It's too big for God to care. And then you're like, oh, it's actually a planet at that point. And I'm like, oh, geez, you're too smart. <laughs> and one of my good friends, Wade, he's a, he's a regular on the show. He's like, you know, that guy, Science Mike, he's just really good. I'm like, thanks. I get it. He's good. But okay. So my podcast, Newsworthy Norsworthy, it's named yes. after what my high school football coach said. He said, Norsworthy, you keep working hard in the weight room and one day you'll be newsworthy. Boom. So that's that's my name. So high school football coaches influence what I do. Yeah. Now I was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, it's my, my own business, and I see a tweet from you about a guest that you or someone you're talking to about a new uh Ask Science Mike after dark type episode. And you're just talking about A call you made preparing And I didn't recognize the name Didn't know who it was So I click on it And it um, <clears throat> It was a lady <laughs> Who did not have Any clothes on Yeah uh, Arena Sky uh, a, I, See I would not have gone with that uh, Like including the name Because now we're just gonna perpetuate this An adult uh, Film star Yes I don't, Star actress I don't know the differentiation I just, I'd
1: call her an actress probably She's nice
0: Okay I'm sure she's nice And right. let me tell you something If there are any porn stars who are listening to this i'm glad you're listening you are welcome to our church my wife and i will welcome you into our home you are welcome i'm not gonna tweet a link to seeing them yeah naked right. okay and so when i saw that high school football coach my first thought was mike what in the same hell is wrong with you boy yeah that was my first thought of course I'm assuming I'm my not My wife yelling. thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't even think about that. Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. She's like, th- you wait, you what? You were you
0: tweeted it? No, no, no. Did, did you say, hey, honey, I'm going to be talking to a porn star for the next 30 minutes. Can you give me some privacy?
1: I or- have been talking to people in the porn industry for a while. Excuse me? Yeah. What? Um, so the whole point of my show is to remove a lot of the shame aspects of Christianity. Okay. Which means what? It means I get hundreds of questions about sex and pornography a week, every week. That's where the After Dark episodes came from. Really?
0: So they're just saying.
1: So I did an episode where I talked about one of the After Darks, basically that porn had addictive qualities, and I got a ton of pushback from my listeners who are sexual therapists or neuroscientists or people who are real experts in that stuff. And, and they, they say it they doesn't question some of my assumptions, and at the same time, because of that episode, apparently it got. Uh, passed around a little in the industry. And so I started getting some emails from people who are in either the production side of pornography, the performing side of pornography, or uh, take their clothes off on camera for a living. Like, not in porn, but like in uh, like a cam room. Who wanted to, uh, one, applaud the fact that I was willing to have these conversations because most of their customer base is repressed Christians. Okay. And um, two... Wanted to know more about the science of what happens in porn. So the whole point of Ask Science Mike is not the answers I give people. Uh It's the fact that the questions are okay. It's okay to be a Christian who's curious about or wonders about sex. So what happens in the church is people say things about porn that they hate it, and then they statistically overwhelmingly turn around and consume it. I'm kind of in the opposite perspective. I don't actually consume porn anymore, but I'm totally willing and comfortable to talk about it. So you didn't research. Out there. You
0: didn't research your podcast. Is what you're saying?
1: I mean, I know what's important. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two kids. That doesn't happen with magic. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm okay. It, for example, so what part of the question was I? I had this idea that one of the things I don't like about pornography is that. It, and I'm giving away my podcast, but it's okay. People Has it not aired listen. yet? No, that one's I'm still because I've got a couple more people to talk to. Uh, they each person gives me the contact information for another person I can talk to. <laughs> and what I, I had, I talked to all these porn performers, but they wouldn't let me go on the record with their name because they're afraid of repercussions. And Rena was the first one I said, "Yeah, you can use my name."
0: Why, what kind of like?
1: Well, so the whole thing is 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 forget forget sin for a second. Okay. Forget neurological addictiveness. Is pornography produced in a way that harms human beings? And my premise was in many cases, yes, because I've read all these testimonies and heard testimonies from people who their drug addiction has been exploited and that's how they got into porn. Uh, their drug addiction continues to be exploited. Uh, people are made to do things against their will. They're basically raped on camera, but if they complain, they don't get paid. Their livelihood is attached to this um, submission to these ideas. This is heavy stuff. So every time people are paying for pornography or even watching free porn, that's ad supported, they're supporting these predatory men who prey on women. Now I have friends who are feminists who say that porn is an empowering thing. So once the first couple of porn performers approached me, I realized I have an opportunity here to find out from the horse's mouth, has this ever been something that was predatory in your life? Do you feel oppressed or empowered or both? Hmm. So, um,
0: I'm not going to make you answer that question. Cause I don't want to ruin your podcast. You're yeah, going to answer that on yours. I will. Okay. I, and this is
1: probably, this episode is probably still weeks or even months away. Okay. So
0: we can't, so I can ask you that question. Yeah, totally. G- wouldn't you think the answer? I mean, I would assume the answer is yes.
1: Yeah. So basically what I've heard so far is, um, well, Rena had a great, great quote where she said, uh, nobody enters porn on their best day, the best day of their life. Right, yes. so you're usually in a. If you're contemplating this overwhelming, Larry, there's you're having trouble making ends meet. You have a drug problem. You didn't
0: go to school for this, right? And it's not like
1: I just graduated, graduated Harvard. Now I'm going to go get a job in porn. Something has happened in your life that's that's difficult. Now, again, I don't want to. Here's how I approach the faith. Mm-hmm. I don't like hold myself in some superior moral standing to a porn performer. No, that's that's on Jesus. They're people, yeah. just like me. Yeah. They're people trying to survive. And actually, most of them are trying in their own way to leave the world better than they found it. So I'm not going to, like, stigmatize people who are doing this. Um, but, you know, so she said no one enters porn on their best day of their life. Uh, but I, in the past, I did feel very controlled repressed whatever but she's advanced her career to the point where she's in control of her own destiny and making her own choices mm-hmm. so in she helped me see that it is possible I haven't thoroughly researched it yet which is why the show's not out uh, but um, that it may be possible to produce may essentially organic porn porn that <laughs> is produced without <laughs> <What>? really destroying <laughs> human flourishing
0: okay Organic form, which I was just thinking. Oh, so there's no like processed sugar added to it. No, or what- well, so okay, it's, but
1: it's not it's not produced with the violation of consent of a human being or directly creating suffering for that person. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think there are definite psychological costs to a lot. L- Sex is a force amplifier in our brains. Hold on, it what makes a, f- a force amplifier. Okay. It makes the good great and the bad horrible. Okay. Right, because of the intensity of the neurological experience, so I think there's always this dramatic potential for harm in in pornography. Yeah. But but at the same time, I'm the science guy. Yeah. I'm going to follow the data. You, where you it got goes. to follow.
0: Do you know a uh, writer, a Catholic priest named um, Ronald Rollheiser? I don't. He wrote a book called Holy Longing the first chapter of that book might be my favorite chapter of any book I've ever read. And he has another section in that book in which he talks about pornography and that it opens you up to emotions that you're, 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 you're like, there's an energy in it that we, we are uh, ignorant to. And it's so overwhelming that our body has like two options. One just to like shut down. And the other is you have to act out something that you're not like meant to act out. And so he talks about like, there's just an energy in sex that pornography opens you up to that is something that we are naive to think it doesn't exist. And so the question really isn't like, this isn't coming from like the performer side isn't like what, you know, what's best for you, but like the viewer, like, what does it do? Inter- is that a question that you're going to go down?
1: I'm trying to. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's
1: a deep rabbit hole, right? It is. Yeah. Because what, I'm careful to stick to the science in the science part of an answer because when i and talk about
0: energy it's not very sciency is it's it it's not at all
1: <laughs> so so that's not going to make the podcast it might but at that point i'll say so here's i'll probably cover a few different conflicting ideas in science okay and then i'll sort of say and here's what i draw from it and this is my opinion mm-hmm. and not based like this is not a scientific conclusion mm-hmm. this is how i operate in life like so like i say like i'm not like i'm not the guy who regularly consumes porn right that's not who I am is not know about. um but I would I would I think it's more healthy for people to admit it than repress it and lie about it.
0: Okay, why is it important to admit it instead of repressing it?
1: Uh when we are so ashamed of it, we fetishize it, we tabooize it, it makes it more alluring. So I actually think no. the incredible pressure against sex and pornography and purity culture and modesty culture in the church is what's driving pornography addiction. So it amplifies America it. consumes more porn than secular Europe. It's not even close, and there's a direct correlation in the data regionally between the consumption of pornography and religiosity. The less religious someone is, the less they view porn. Because? Because of shame culture. Really? That's my hypothesis, which I'm still working at.
0: Okay, so as you're working this out, the next step to that would be how do you undo the shame to it? Right. So, do you just say it's now? This is Science Mike talking here, not me. Totally. I'm totally. Yeah, that's my gig. I take flack and say the things I wants to say. But no, we've talked about this before. Like that's because you're not like you're not a pastor. Like this isn't your. <laughs> so you can say whatever you want to say. Right. There are no you know ramifications for that. But okay. I get some angry tweets occasionally. But. Well, they're not like going to cut off your light lights or something. Correct. But still. So you think to, to move past a shame culture would actually undo some of the power that pornography has? We are
1: attracted to taboo psychologically, demonstrably. The more taboo you make something, the more attractive it is. If I, if we at Praxis, we should have done it. People have done it before. If you put a button up with a sign that says "Don't press this button," people are going to push. Everyone's going to press the button.
0: Okay, so you get two kids. Two kids. Do you have boy, girl, girl, two girls. Okay, I have all oh, girls too. This is going to ruin the analogy. Okay, so let's imagine. You are the third child. It's a yeah. son. You've okay. adopted a 14-year-old boy. Okay. What Ooh. in the world? Yeah, I know. That's... What <laughs> in the world? How old are your daughters? 10 and 7. 10 and 7. 6, 3, and 1 to me. So I'm, I'm behind okay. you. But imagine you adopted a 14-year-old boy. Okay. Now it's your oldest child. We're going to call him Little Mikey. Okay? He's taking on your name. He's going to be Algebra Mike, though, because he likes math instead of science. So Big Algebra Mike. Weird kid. Okay. I know. Algebra Mikey. He's 14. He's at your house. And you see, he's looked at porn for the first time. Yeah. Your response as Science Mike to Algebra Mike is what?
1: Well, by fourteen, we would have long ago talked about sexuality and attraction. Yeah, I mean,
0: a fourteen-year-old—we're eh, we're kind of behind the time on that one.
1: Um, I would have a conversation and say, "Hey, man." <laughs> Well, no, because I'm trying... It's so hard because my kids, like, we've already talked sex, right? At 10 and 7? Oh, seven. yeah. Yeah, my, my, my oldest had questions a couple years ago.
0: Wait, hold on. When, what, when does that start?
1: It can start young. Oh. It depends on the kid. Like, my 7-year-old still hasn't really asked very much. But Good, the I way I mean... approach things is when kids ask a question, they're ready for an answer. Yeah. So, when, you know, when my oldest said... And so, but how does a baby get in mom's tummy... Um, we put the youngest to bed. We sat down at the kitchen table and we talked for about forty-five minutes. And I answered any question that she had mm-hmm. because understanding the mechanisms of how babies are created and why people are attracted to other people, I think, equips her better to make good choices than saying, "Oh, well, we don't talk about that shameful." Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, okay. So when you're so the fourteen-year-old boy, something like more, I said, "Okay,"
0: but you've adopted him in this scenario, so you him. haven't yeah. talked so to him I would until talk now. Talk to
1: him about where sex comes from, why we have sex, why we want sex, what porn does. I would give him all the information. What are you
0: going to say it does to a 14-year-old boy? I'm going to
1: say that, it, especially for a 14-year-old, uh, overstimulates a lot of the brain, mm-hmm. hyperstimulates it. It does something called supernormal stimulus, which is a scientific phenomenon by where neural networks are attracted to stimulus that goes beyond natural. So if you uh, put a, a set of a larger, bluer, wooden egg amidst Robin's eggs, she will favor the larger, brighter blue egg to the point that her actual eggs uh, don't get warm enough and and die. Supernormal stimulus. Or if you create a a wooden baby chick with a bigger, brighter mouth, she'll try to feed it and the other birds will starve. Yeah. Uh, Silicone breasts, HD porn, all the partner selection is a supernormal sexual stimulus. And I would say... I understand the attraction. You also understand it's potentially unhealthy. I would probably also tell them uh, that um, we today have record levels of erectile dysfunction among uh, 19 to 24-year-old men. And we have this not because they have problems in their plumbing, but because they have a neurological dependency on pornography. This is a documented thing of the data. So this porn culture is actually making it more difficult for young men... To have actual sex with actual women. And so I would equip him with that information, but I would also it's not like I get grounded if I catch you looking at porn. You what, see what I mean? What? I'm not going to stigmatize it or tabooize it. But the other thing is I have a set of strategies. Like in our home there is no private computer. The computers in a common area. Okay? Uh, the kids have iPads, but they don't have internet access. Okay? See what I mean? So my thing is create the accountability In your physical space design Mm -hmm. to help, especially teenagers, it's tough. They have these developing brains, but they have this atrophied, especially boys' orbitofrontal cortex. The part of the brain that weighs the consequences of actions doesn't develop. You say atrophied? It's very small. Okay, so it hasn't... It doesn't mature until like the mid-20s. That's a great job, So Young men especially are actually unable to forecast the consequences of a given decision, which means... To be a good parent, I think, means not only equipping them, but equipping them for success, hmm. creating an environment where these things are less alluring or less possible.
0: So what you're doing is you're creating an environment in which he's aware of the ramifications. Yes. This is the byproducts of what happens if you do this. You take the, this is a very churchy word, the temptation out of his... Uh, bedroom. You put it out into there. You, you remove the possibility for him to engage. Well, it's still
1: possible, right? He can sneak out of his bedroom in the middle of the night. But I'm just saying you make it. Yeah. You, you, you just, you, you be as helpful as you can without being oppressive.
0: But I think he would say, you don't let me have internet on my of my my tablet. That's oppressive.
1: Well, at, when they're ready, my oldest has internet on her tablet. At 10? Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. But she's a great kid. And when she comes across something on the internet that concerns her, she brings me the iPad and we talk about it. And I'm never punitive.
0: but you, Never. Okay, but now this is me as a dad jumping in here. But all kids are kids. Like, they're dumb. They're going to do dumb things. Of you, course Their they brain's are. not developed, as you just said. I do dumb things. That's true. That's fair.
1: You're human. That's, that's the goal. So I don't create an environment where we avoid failure. I create an environment where we learn from it uh-huh. and move on.
0: Okay. Hmm.
1: Because of that, my kids trust me, and both of my children will ask me anything, and they know they can ask anything, and I'm not going to shame them, and they're not going to get in trouble. Do they
0: questions. ask you directly, or do they have to hashtag Absolutely. Ask Science Mike they on Twitter? Get, they don't have to hashtag. <laughs> my kids, uh
1: it's really normal. Madison will say, "Dad, can you come to my room?" I say, "Sure, kiddo." And we walk in a room, and she talks to me whatever she wants to talk to me. Uh-huh. And my youngest does the same. Now, my youngest is a little bit like my wife; she's more of a less abstract and more concrete thinger. So she has less esoteric questions, but she's still, my kids know they can ask me anything. anything.
0: So do your podcast listeners. That's right. They know they can ask you anything. Uh, let me tell you something. My listeners, if you have questions about pornography, send them to Science Mike. <laughs> He's going to do the research. I'm not going to do that research for you. I just don't like you as much as he likes his listeners. You've got a book you're working on?
1: I do, yeah. How
0: far can we... Now, on the podcast last week, Rob dropped a, a unknown nugget about his new book, which he just turned into Harper One. I think it's Harper One. It's Harper One, yeah. Yeah. And so, do you want to go ahead and follow suit? Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You don't have to do it. What, when should we look for Science Mike book? Oh,
1: man. I know.
0: Do you, do you have... How much of this is done? A lot. A lot of it is done. Um, how many words do you have written? A book. Fifty thousand, sixty thousand. You're not going to give me anything. You're I mean, are you
1: going to edit this at all?
0: I, I, do you want me to edit it out? Do I need to? So no,
1: that part can't. That even can't go on the air. Just that. Even that. Part. I have to edit. Yeah, that. Just that part. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we had to edit that out. So thanks a lot, Science <laughs> Mike. Um, I can't. That's too funny. Well, um,
1: they, I mean, literally, hopefully, in like. Like a couple of weeks. Don't s- do that. I have to edit that too? <laughs> no, you can say that. Like news coming soon on the book front. There's
0: a book from Science Mike. Awkward transition. <laughs> See, if I had like a superstar musician who is my tag team partner, he would just well, do it. On
1: our show, actually, our, our, our buddy Joel does most of the editing.
0: Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. buddy yeah. Joel does it. And I, do. I And
1: then my friend Greg does uh, Ask Science Mike, so I hmm. I don't edit any of it.
0: I want to punch you right now. <laughs> what part of my brain is telling me to do that? Probably your amygdala. Do you know that uh, there's something in common that we both have? What's that? Uh, we're you, both really good looking. That's, that's true. <laughs> we both have the same beard thing going on, like the multicolored beard. Yeah. That's true also. But that wasn't where I was going. You dropped out of uh, college. I did. I dropped out of high school. I don't have a high school diploma. High five.
1: High five. They can't see it. But that's that's a high do a five better,
0: That was a very awkward high five right there. Um, and you dropped out of college. I dropped out of high school. So it's like we're... Brothers, twinsies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Science, Mike. Thanks for coming back to the podcast. As yeah, always, me. having fun having you on. You doing? Good. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.